Hey everybody, Jack here. As you will probably be able to tell uh, from the episode, we recorded this before all the recent tragic events that have occurred. So we wanted to record this little bit at the beginning to say that we are supportive of everyone fighting to overcome the systemic racial injustices in this country. We are mourning George Floyd and the way too many others. We're supporting Black Lives Matter and that this is a time to listen to the voices of those oppressed communities. If you are looking for a little bit of escapism without ignoring what's going on or putting your head in the sand, we did think we wanted to release this episode, um, maybe bring a little bit of fun. So hang in there, keep an open mind too, and be supportive of the ideas and messages coming out of the communities of those oppressed people in this country. And do consider donating if you can at all uh, to a worthy cause. I know all three of us are privately donating to organizations like the Bail Fund Incorporated, Black Lives Matter, and other things that are helping to do any little bit you can. All right, thanks. Hello, internets, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative of the Town podcast, brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. Just what the hell do you want, Jack? <laughs> and sitting next to Jake is someone else who tried coming up through the floor. It's Mark. Hello, boys. For those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. And this week, we are diving into the first round of our new drafted movies, uh, so our new crop of picks here, and we are watching 1980s Changeling, which was a pick from me. I picked that movie. Uh, and we will dive all the way into that real soon, and when we do, fair warning, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it. And hey, if you like the show and want to support what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror. That's A-T-O-Z horror. Support the show at your level of choosing and get some cool perks for your troubles. And like we said for the last couple of weeks, uh, we're pretty excited that right now everything we make from Patreon will be going directly to Feeding America. Uh, so you get access to the cool extra content. You can hang out with us over on Patreon. And also you can get your money to a worthy cause, which we are not. But for now, it's time to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's... Do beers for fears. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jack. What are your beers for these fears, for the changeling fears? Sure. I got two locals for you this time. Uh, the main one is a Trader Session IPA. This is T-R-A-D-E-R, not T-R-A-I-T-O-R. <laughs> what a, however the fuck you spell the other version. Uh, this I, is a movie about a trading start. places, right? Uh, that's sort of the, I guess, ultimate twist, penultimate twist at the end. Um, so, Trader... Going on there, trading yeah. spots. <laughs> uh, a madman. The other thing I got going on, another local. Uh, I should say that one was from Uinta Brewing here in Salt Lake City. Uh, this other one is Revenge Double IPA. This is one of those ones that can kind of just fit into most categories, but that's sort of the driving force behind the uh, the the happenings of this movie is revenge. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm back on that local train, too, this week. Uh, I am drinking a beer from Payette Brewing here in Boise. I'm drinking an Aura Prickly Pear Yuzu and Sour Ale. Oh, that one. Um, for two reasons. That sounds one, weird. Yeah, it tastes weird, too. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, one, this movie is full of auras, right? He's haunted by the aura of the dead boy. Um, and then later he watches the aura of the impossibly old senator guy walk up the stairs to review what happened or whatever happens at the end of that. Oh, and yeah. then also, after his wife and daughter die at the beginning of this movie, he becomes a prickly pear. And his whole movie is a fight to, to care about life again and not be such a not be such a grumpy Gus prickly pear. Um, Wait, is that what drives his character arc? <laughs> I did, yeah, I did not so. get that vibe. 
<laughs> the other thing I'll say about this beer is this is the lowest ABV um, uh, sour I've ever had in my life. What is it? Uh, this What's is a 4.0% ABV nice. sour nice. beer. It's insane. Yeah. It's like down Jake, in Grisset territory. Um, I am drinking a beer. This movie takes place in Seattle. Hasn't been mentioned yet. Not super duper important, but I wanted to go with the Seattle Brewery. And as Mark mentioned with part of his beer selection... He kind of had a trading places or a changing theme. I had a changing theme more in the evolution of beer. So Why I went not with a changeling theme. I went with Fremont Brewing's <laughs> Head Full of Dynamite. And it's actually not for the name Head Full of Dynamite for once. I'm doing the slightly different application of beer for fear. It's where it's from. And it's the fact that this is an ever evolving and changing beer style. Changed wow. places okay. with the last version of Head Full that I drank like just weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, the listener who's unfamiliar with that particular beer might not know. You didn't really explain that. They I said do it's a rotating beer. It's it's a it's a yeah. it's a hazy IPA that they're constantly rotating. I don't even know. They used to label like what version it was, but there've been so many now that I don't believe they even do that anymore. They have like a new one each month, and it's always different. Uh, different hops are used. Different. Okay, we're just showing the camera. This is fun. Everybody for, was showing this is fun for an audio medium. You're throwing me, breaking my stride over here. <laughs> Look at mine, huh? That's cool. So, so actually, Jesus. technically, what I'm doing, and this is a purely visual joke, I'm just rotating my beer <laughs> to make it a, a rotating beer. Wow, we are firing on all cylinders we're off tonight. To a running start. <laughs> you know today. what? It's I succeeded in throwing uh, Jake off his train, though, so I'm happy about that. You threw me off my train. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> very solid. I like it all around. All right, boys, but to drinking beers and watching the 1980 film Changeling isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week. We might have also experienced some other shit in the horror world. Do either of you have any lost beers for fears uh, movies to pay up on? No. Neither do I. Jake. <laughs> okay, cool. Aww. We'll just uh, go forego that segment this week and go directly into rocking horror worlds. Yep. Um, except I have to forego that segment as well this week. I got stoned, nothing else. Uh, it was absolutely <laughs> savage week at work for me. I did not have the opportunity to watch even a single other movie. So that's where I'm at. Jack, uh, Jake, you, don't you, you don't have a book. You don't have a book to talk about. I have good. I'm continuing to, or to like read a, through the horror of it all by Adam Rockoff. Or like a single a episode of a podcast about. you listen to. <laughs> Mark won't let me talk about the same thing tw- two weeks in a row, so I'm uh, I'm not talking about the book. I'm you don't have anything about Animal Crossing and Tom Nook to talk about? No, Man. I haven't played any Animal Crossing. I've been Damn. too busy. Oh, my no, God. No, it sucks. Okay. It sucks. Okay, who did you throw the baton to? I wasn't listening. I was too busy. You, to you jackass. I have two movies to talk about this week, both of which have something to say, guys. Um, Okay, the first of which that I want to talk about is called Bit. It's from earlier this year. Both of these are from this year, actually. I'm starting to do a thing where it's like, what movies have come out that I should probably see? And this was a recommendation and a request to watch together from the lovely fiancé. So I was interested in doing that because it's a fucking cold day in hell when she asks me to watch a horror movie with her. So I jumped on that with open arms whatever the, mixing metaphors this is, here this is a horror movie that came out in 2020 uh yeah to and us we didn't cover it in our <laughs> no HR? it's shocking isn't it right oh look i don't oh, no. know exactly what fashion but we were able to rent this on amazon it was kind of an expensive rent i rem- it was like seven bucks which is more than normal Dang. for the people who watch movies by rental on amazon frequently i think yeah, it's that's usually a lot. Like five. Anyway, it's recent. Um, so this one's interesting. It is a vampire movie, and 
Katie had heard about it because she, she, I don't even know where it came up. I think it came up in like a podcast that she listens to. Just, hey, this movie's like worth watching. But um, what was interesting about this one is that, and I don't know some of the applications of this, so I'm going to steer clear because I'm just a dumb dumb. But this is definitely a this is a feminist movie, and it is interesting in terms of like representation so that's great and i think by and large we both like this movie it was super entertaining like high 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 level synopsis is a girl moves down to la where her brother lives right after graduating from high school she immediately like has a run-in with some vampires there's just like this brood of female vampires kind of like it was kind of like the lost boys but with girls and they like bring her into their whole clique and then the rest of the movie is kind of like trying to figure that out it was funny it was witty it was well acted it was high action um it was definitely feminist and i think that like really the only complaints that either of us had were this is a 90 minute on the nose movie and it felt like it had to do a hell of a lot of rushing it like figured out that it had to do quite a few things to clean things up and uh put a bow on it with like 86 minutes past so in four minutes like a lot happens and it doesn't make much sense and it's not that satisfying however I think it's still recommendable it's certainly unique and I think that it's great to see more representation in the horror world the other thing that I'll say is that this movie has it it has in my opinion what was kind of a strange treatment of transgender and it's because I don't know who the actress is who is starring in this movie, but she was, I'm going to find her name so I can at least make sure that it makes sense. But she was in like a superhero show, um, Nicole Maines. So she was in Supergirl and I don't watch those shows. And so it kind of treats it through like humble brag, light dialogue (laughs) throughout the movie that I feel it thinks that the viewer is like more in on to the fact that she is a transgender character in this movie as well. But like without having read the synopsis, if you, if you weren't, if you went into this totally blind and you don't know who that is or anything about that, you might not know what the fuck they're talking about. So that's just me from where I'm sitting, but this is a, this is a really interesting movie and I think that people should watch it. Definitely noteworthy in the year 2020, which there haven't been a lot of horror movies this year. So came out at the end of April. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Jake. Are there also heavy LGBTQ or sapphic themes in this? Um, I, I don't know what you mean by heavy. But what do you mean by sapphic They exist. <laughs> Lesbian themes? Yes, no, they okay. exist. I don't know what you mean by heavy, but they exist. She has is a romantic this... relationship with one of the other vampires in the brood or whatnot. Is this based on Carmilla? Don't know. Carmilla, Car- the, no... that's where you come in. My friend, nope, not that one. Oh, okay, <laughs> not that one. The uh, the novella that that like actually is is said to have pre or is said to be the like precursor I, to modern yeah, vampire I know, stories. I know what you're talking about now that you mentioned that, but I I don't know. But it very well could be. It. I mean, I'm sure okay. that it was at least inspired because it's like part of the genre and it came before this. So yes. Yeah. And that's like a <laughs> lesbian yes, vampire mark. story, so. Yeah, but anyway, I it, it's an interesting and noteworthy noteworthy movie because representation is definitely needed and this obviously deals with the LGBTQIA+ community, so that's great. Uh so that's cool. I'm happy we watched it. The other one that I want to talk about to continue moving on is I watched a movie uh that involves zombies, you guys. 
Uh oh. Hey, well. Yeah, first you know. foray was, into the Z tank, huh? It was a, a first time. First best zombie movie I've ever seen. Base of one. Um, this one is called Blood Quantum. Have either of you heard of it? No. The name does ring a bell, but I can't pinpoint why. And not because of like, well, blood, like there's like the blood quantum like laws or whatnot from back in the day when it with Native Americans and all that stuff. Anyway, right. that, that might be why. But anyway, okay. this I'm is a zombie with what movie that is as well. That had uh, to do with like the percent of, of your blood, blood that was Native yeah. American and all that stuff. Oh, but okay. anyway, this movie is is not American. It's Canadian. Um, it is. It takes place on a Micmac reserve, and generally, like broad strokes, zombie apocalypse happens. But it follows the folks on this reserve, and guess what? these First Nations folks are immune to the zombie outbreak. So you have, like, outbreak sequence, then, like, post-apocalypse, they're living and surviving, and then third act is, I'm not going to spoil it, but, like, all hell breaks loose because it's a zombie movie, right? So this movie was fucking awesome. I loved this, and it's not oh, just because wow. it was a zombie okay. movie. Uh, so I watched this on <laughs> well, Shudder. I kind of, like, movie. jumped the gun a little bit there. This was I watched this just because it was on Shudder, and I was, like, looking for a movie to watch. Um, I, I think that this one is really interesting. Zombie movies are a dime a dozen and it's really hard to find one that for the majority of the movie, you haven't seen much of what it's bringing to the table. And I felt that way about this one. Like it was, again, I it sound like what I'm saying with bit, it was well acted. I think that it was well paced. It had some novel things to say in terms of like, how it's presenting this in the genre and from a societal societal perspective. It's just a cool movie. And if you have Shudder, it's right there. Like, it's not hard to get. You might want to consider getting Shudder if you don't have it. Yeah, but no if you do, to. it's a pretty easy watch. So I like this one. Quick, fast-paced, really nice. Go watch it. It's one of the best ones I've seen from 2020 so far. Very solid. I like it. Mark, how about you? I got one. Uh, kind of like Jack's boat. I also had a pretty long week of work, so uh, I was only able to get to one this week aside from the movie that we're actually reviewing. Uh, and on the same note as Jake, this movie had something to say. Um, oh, yeah. I watched the movie The Platform on Netflix. This was you've probably okay. you've probably been greeted with the autoplay trailer last time you turned Netflix on. If you're anything like me, this one has been like beaten over my brain. Uh, for the last month or so since it came out. Um, this is the one, it's in Spanish, and it's basically the tale of a guy who wakes up in this weird esoteric prison structure wherein there is a floating table that descends through the levels of the prison, pausing briefly to feed people, and the idea being that the further down in the prison you are, the less food you get. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um... <laughs> I remember this. So, first off, very much like Cube. If you've seen the movie Cube, this movie has a very similar vibe to it in the sense that it is this like weird sci-fi sort of like punishment-themed movie. Um, and as you might expect, based on the uh, description I just gave or the description that you could read on Netflix, this is a very thinly veiled political, religious, and economic like commentary movie there's there's so they just beat you the fuck over the head with all of these themes of communism and all these different sort of like approaches to living in reality in the world sure um all that said 
and I'll say that I also do love the movie Cube. I found this movie <laughs> incredibly captivating. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, uh, I I was just enthralled by this thing from start to finish. If you're able to get past <laughs> the the just incredibly like base level high school political philosophy stuff and just sort of like follow it as characters working their way through this incredibly weird dystopian maze of a future. I I kind of thought it was kind of fun actually. Yeah, uh, it works better without a plot. <laughs> yeah, well in this case there's like or, there's so much plot that there might as well be no plot if that makes any sense. Yeah, like it, th- everything it is happening does. in spite of how complex the world is okay. behind it. Okay. If that makes any sense. Um it, I don't yeah. I don't want to go too far into this because I can get about three minutes into this movie and start spoiling shit. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever. You kind of know what you're getting when you go in dystopian sci-fi prison movie. Yeah. Uh, I give it a watch. If that's what? the type of thing, if you're one, if you're in the mood for watching something similar to cube, uh, I would submit this one as a pretty stellar thing that you may not have seen in that same subgenre. What led you it to this sa- one? Uh, Netflix beating me over the head with it with its album. <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah. happen. It did. It, it does. It's kind of like the trailer that it plays for you. It does look interesting. So. That's cool. I, Netflix does such a fucking bad job of surfacing its its content that I don't know. I'm happy you liked one that it was trying to get you with. So that's cool. Yeah, it nice. is entirely in I, Spanish. I, I mentioned that earlier, but it probably bears repeating. So sounds vaguely Snowpiercery as well. Are there any Snowpiercer vibes? Um. Did not get the same vibe as Snowpiercer. That one's not as much a horror. I mean, this one is like legit straight up horror movie. Yeah, Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer is. I wasn't saying that. More yeah, like an horror. action type thing featuring yeah. one of the best scenes I've ever seen with Allison Pill. I fucking love the kindergarten <laughs> sequence. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> oh man, yeah. All right, I like that, Mark. You got anything else? No, that's it. It was a it was a uh, busy week for me, so that's all I got. Yep. Feel you there, buddy. Let's go on to the feature presentation. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 1980's The Changeling, uh, which was a jack pick, and I'm curious as to whether or not you guys had ever seen this before. No, sir. I was was aware of the 2008 film of the same name. Makes sense. Uh, I don't know if I'm aware it. of that one. It's very on <laughs> that, brand for you. That is a completely different movie. It's not. A, it's not even remotely related to this one. It's just about a woman who suspects her child is a changeling. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was surprised uh, to come to this realization, but I'd I'd never seen this cover to cover. Uh, I've I've definitely seen like most of it. I've pretty much seen it, but I haven't seen it, if you know what I mean. Like, my I mom do. fucking loves George C. Scott, so, like, this shit would be on. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I'd never, sat, I'd never sat down and watched it in one viewing. This is one that I've only seen once before and as a pretty little kid, so this was a, this was a good kind of kind of fresh revisit for me. I was happy to, happy to dive in here. Uh, I'm uh, not 100% sure why I picked it this round. It's not like a summer, summery kind of a film. But, it's, uh, you know, it's like the know. Omen's perfect Halloween movie, man. That is a great autumn, autumnal movie, God Jake. God damn it. It's a perfect autumnal movie. Um, either way, um, what, when you guys have a... a clock ready so i can give a 30 second plot <laughs> synopsis always either way i'm moving on now <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't know why i picked it anyway let's get this out of the way <laughs> i'm a professional mark look it up 
Look it up where? Where would you suggest I look this up? In the book. Okay. Clock starts when you start. John is a composer. He goes on vacation with his wife and daughter in upstate New York. They tragically die in a car accident. He's very sad, so he moves to Seattle to try to restart his life. Moves into a creepy old house that he's renting. It turns out that house is haunted. It's a little ghost boy. Uh, The ghost boy was going to be inheriting a fortune, uh, but then his dad killed him because he wouldn't get the fortune if he wasn't 21. Uh, well, he wasn't alive by the time he was 21. He was very sickly, so his dad killed him and swapped him with a different boy he sent abroad for a whole bunch of time. That guy became a senator. John confronts time. that guy. Oh, fuck. You almost and got then, there. what? The senator burns in the house. There, yeah. did it. You, the senator's, you the just... senator's astral projection burns in the house. Yeah. The senator is just <laughs> the in his office weird. convulsing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you went into a surprising amount of detail. I was expecting this to be a complete train wreck, and it was not, so congratulations. Um, Thank you. You went to a surprising amount of detail and almost got there. Like, by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, you just missed it. Yeah, yeah, I just couldn't quite pull out the end there. This is way more of, like, a mystery than I remember. Yeah, yeah, this definitely does have... It's not It's not a whodunit, but it's, like, who was it done to type mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Step yeah, one of the mystery is figuring out what the mystery is. <laughs> exactly. Layers of mystery. I know there's a mystery. Let me solve it. <laughs> God damn it. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, should we just, uh, did I miss anything else major? Should we just jump right into what in the fuck subgenres of horror this movie fits into? I mean, yeah, not really. You you sh- maybe should have said that the guy was a, I think you said the guy was a senator now. The, the changeling yeah, is the senator. Yeah, he said that. He yeah, said okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the changeling. Okay, you got it. Objectively perfect uh, 30 second plot synopsis. Congratulations. Boom. Splat out. Nice. Uh, This is a haunted house movie. I'll take that one. Correct. I don't know, man. Psychological? Is this psychological horror? Not really. I don't know. Where does the mystery come in? It's like trying to drag you along with it. I, I don't know. Uh, it we definitely have a mystery sub subgenre. We, we should. should have a mystery sub subgenre. Okay, well then it's that. Add it. Seven hundred and fifty-sixth yeah. item to the A to Z horror official subgenres <laughs> list. There aren't that also many. A, it's Sorry, a ghost movie. Six hundred and thirty-three. Yeah, ghost and supernatural. Whatever. I mean, okay. it's it's those. <laughs> it's those. It's those houses, um, trees. Ah, uh, we do have mystery. Stuff. Fifty-five mystery. Fifty-five A mystery, comma murder. How about so. dead? How about dead children in wells? There are enough of those movies. This is yeah. This is a well ghost movie. You've got yeah. Lassie. You've got The Ring. You've got this one. That's it. That's a lot though. <laughs> That's a surprising uh, number. Kind That's... of the orphanage. No. What the fuck is that thing? What is it? It's I not mean, a well, is it a well? I don't know what, what is it? It's a, I don't it's a know. basement. It's a basement. The kid Mark, dies. There's in like a ginormous basement. pool. They're in the desert that has it's to like be their the drinking s- water. That has in the to be. orphanage. Did you, you guys watch the same movie? Oh shit! No, no sorry, Jake, I was thinking, thinking of Devil's, of Devil's, Backbone. Devil's Backbone. Backbone. Yeah, that's another one. That's another one. The orphanage. It's not like a basement. It's like the start of an elevator shaft that they never got around to completing. The, the it's orphanage is a basement. It's the their orphanage cellar. What are you is talking a basement. About? The orphanage yeah. is a basement. Yeah. yeah. I was too distracted by the flutes to pay any fucking <laughs> attention to that movie. <laughs> Continues to be your worst take. Actually, that's not even remotely that's true. That's definitely that's it's just definitely among the pile of bad <laughs> takes attributable. That's probably to Jack. honestly, that's probably in Jack's top like half of takes. I've got great takes. <laughs> it's a five and a half take. <laughs> it's a good one. That's uh, it. That's all the subgenres. We did it. We did it. Yay! Canadian. It's foreign movie. Oh, even though shit, it's set in Seattle. That. 
Yeah, I mean, it's this is like such a vaguely this is bullshit as far as foreign <laughs> yeah, movies right? go. It was shot like eight miles north of Seattle. <laughs> Fucking horseshit. It's like what the fuck? What's Canadian about this? Nothing. It's American characters in America, and yet it was made by Canadians, so it's a Canadian uh, movie. It was filmed in Victoria and BC. So, <laughs> oh, was it filmed in Victoria? Yeah. Whatever, dude. It was, but it was about American people in America. Like, I know. <laughs> whatever. Well, except for the like establishing shots of the Space Needle. And the U Dub, the U Dub, the U Dub, <laughs> the U Dub. <laughs> that is what people who went there call it. They, yeah, they, they just call, they don't call it the U Dub. It's just no, U-dub. they absolutely call it the U Dub. That that is a some people maybe, definitely not all. <laughs> yeah, like the people who didn't take any grammar classes when they went to the U Dub, the U Dub. <laughs> At least they don't say the the U Dub. You're talking about a pronunciation thing. I'm there? talking about the the Ohio State University thing. Oh, Whatever. I'm, we're moving on. We're moving that. on. Okay. Oh God. Oh fuck. We're going to what uh, the movie right, does then. right. Yeah. Let's just dive into it. What does this movie do right? Uh, atmosphere. Yep. Ah, this movie exactly. is atmospheric as all hell. It's fantastic. So pretty consistently too. They never really waver on it. Uh, it's, yeah. Who? Yeah. It's the, it's mostly that mansion, right? Like that's a pretty. That's like a living, breathing thing. It's that's certainly a, not that's just a, the mansion, although the mansion no, does have a... That's a big part of it, man. It that's is a big, big part, part of it, it, but let's just take a step back and realize that we threw a classical music composer who just witnessed his family die into a haunted house and realized that that is also part of the greater ambiance of the movie. I mean, there's a yeah, substantial same, amount of musical more. composition that goes into the dramatic elements and atmosphere of this movie. <laughs> are you talking about score? Or are you talking about him, like, diegetically as a musician? Those two music. things are inseparable, in my opinion, in this movie. In this movie, yes. Mm, okay. Uh, I mean, say, there are pro- there are non diegetic there are non diegetic elements of the score in this movie that I liked less. But like, for example, the uh, the the lullaby that he composes, air quotes, and then hears mm-hmm. in the music box later. Yeah, that's a. I fantastic. mean, that is a really good scene and a great piece of atmosphere. And then that musical cue continues throughout the rest of the movie as well. Yeah. And also yeah. the scene when he's like practicing in the study with the the I don't think it's a quartet, but uh, and I think they're practicing Mozart, and then that sound carries off as they're the, showing you other establishing shots of creepy a, shit happening a in quintet. the house. Quintet, yeah, quintet, I, yeah. I, I would also just add that it's not traditional score necessarily, but the banging of the the pipes or yeah. whatever. I guess the kids' hands against the tub, just that like loud fucking thudding noise that Thud. yeah. happens multiple times. That's a pretty good sound cue as well so uh, from an audio perspective this movie shines like it helps with the atmosphere i'll agree with that mark it's interesting that you mentioned that he like the the fact that he lost his wife and kid because as i think about that now like that completely irrelevant to the entire movie yeah has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever (laughs) which actually well okay put a put a pin in that for now because that is something that i wrote down and what the movie does wrong (laughs) Okay, and that you okay, mentioned well, already earlier in I can't remember if it was your thirty second plot synopsis or slightly before then, but uh, no, it was in your beers for fears. Anyways, we'll come back to that. All right, all right, all right. Uh, um, while we're yeah. talking about sound and atmosphere, I do. I I just wanted to kind of shoehorn this one in as well. I thought it was funny um, and sort of creative the way that they the first scare of the movie scare and air quotes there I guess is when he's playing the piano when he first moves in and I guess the first scare of the movie is probably when the kids or when the family gets 
plowed over. But once the, the, fir- the, the first ghost-related <laughs> scare of the movie is uh, he's playing the piano in this new house three months later, four months later, or whatever, and uh, he can't get the one key to work, and then he stands up, walks away, and after he leaves the room, the, the key plunges itself, and it plays a single piano key stinger. And in an era well before the single piano key, like, cue of this is a scary jump scare thing that happens <laughs> that was tied to the first scare of the movie I, I i just thought that was it was a nice way of like tipping their hand and potentially influencing future shot composition well, that's another thing that this movie does right is this is the progenitor of so many tropes that exist now in horror movies like it's interesting that we watched um insidious so recently when the seance scene oh my god yeah this is like ripped directly from this movie <laughs> exactly i thought it was ripping off poltergeist i was incorrect <laughs> yeah. it is ripping off this movie almost yep. shot for shot only doing it so much more stupidly i, I have a i I'm going to have a nitpick with Insidious because of the seance scene in this movie. Especially because the creators of Insidious must have had the conversation of like, okay, so we're going to shoot the scene from the changeling, uh, but we want to make it different enough that they don't sue us. So what can we do? Oh, gas mask. (laughs) But hold on. Not just a gas mask. Let's also make it make less sense and have it be stupider. (laughs) Can we get some shots from inside the gas masks that are entirely CG? (laughs) So... Yeah, th- this was Insidious was a lot more like this than Poltergeist. They're all the same, and we're getting hair splitty, but like it was ripped directly from this. Like no exaggeration. If you do a split screen of those two, it's the fucking same scene, except with the oh, gas yeah. mask. Oh yeah, it is. But shocking. there's so so many other things in this movie. Like I think Paranormal Activity borrows a lot from this movie in terms of the kind of like things that happen in the like pre everything's gone haywire phases of the movie cabinet doors opening and stuff like that. Like this is a, in terms of establishing like classic bump in the night stuff, this one is kind of all of them condensed into one like tight little package. Okay. Even if the movie itself is not that. I was going to say, I wouldn't call it a tight package. Okay. Okay. You did it yourself. That's good. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I guess since you guys are just sitting silent over I'm there, I'll, uh, beer, I'll okay. I'll talk about I'll how charming I find the uh, the lead actor of this film and the main character, okay. George C. Um, Scott. Yeah, man, dude, he's the he's a fucking boss. He's so great, and he's oh man, and you, I'm so compelled by him and his story throughout this movie. Like he's, a, it would be, yeah, go it, ahead. It seems like it'd be so easy to have like. Uh, this acted or written in a way where I'm like, I don't give a shit why he cares about this mystery, but I kind of do. Yeah, he just kind of commands it the whole time. He's a pretty rational character for this genre I almost wanted to bring this up in what it does middle because he's so stable. I know what you mean. It's almost too much. It's almost too much, but I I like it in the sense that we we watch like several horror movies a week realistically and this is refreshing because you don't see it a whole lot like it has it raises issues but i still was willing to put in what it does right as opposed to middle because i grappled with it as well uh simply because it's kind of refreshing and this movie's from like 1980 so that's cool yeah man like he's confident and smart and uh, knows what he's doing and totally not dramatic which is i think the biggest departure like even now if you even if you look at someone pretty level-headed like you know patrick stewart's character in Sorry, Patrick Wilson's character. I was going to say. In, in Insidious. Patrick Stewart's character in Green Room. One of those Patrick. <laughs> totally rational Nazi. 
Uh, even then, you're getting like a hell of a lot more drama out of this guy, out of the main yeah. character, than you are out of the- this guy. Is just sort of like, oh yeah, that's this is what's going strange. on. I found this music Which, box like, in the attic, and it it played a song for me that I had written. Uh, isn't that isn't that quirky? <laughs> Which like might be why they had in all the stuff about his family dying in the first part of the movie, because like, who the, what the fuck does this guy care? No. I'm not willing to. I mean, Jack yes, is really I, trying you, to you weave can go the down that route. This dude has nothing left to live for. You're really <laughs> yeah. spinning that yarn, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Okay. This dude is curious because he witnessed his family die. Okay, sure. Why not? No, but not just like why he's curious, why he's not like more. F- f- actually, why he's less curious, why he's less like dramatic yeah, about yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, you're arguing the opposite. Yeah, exactly. You're, he's mm-hmm. not getting all up. He's not excited enough about it. He's not excitable because he has nothing to live for, is Jack's argument. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> Damn, dude. Okay. <laughs> so I'll level with you. That was we've blown through all of the things that I had in does right. Most of it was just different aspects of the atmosphere, but we've already talked about most of it. But it does them. that very I mean, look, that's that is what that's what this movie is. We did kind of um, we we started out with it and then paid no attention to it at all. Uh the house is something that we probably do need to highlight. Uh, and I was the one who interrupted me for saying. I house. know you were. You just you came in hot and said it was the only thing, <laughs> asshole. And it's not the only thing, but it is an important <laughs> part. And I was just reading a little bit before we started that um, I thought they actually shot in a house, but I guess this was actually a pretty elaborate set of sets that had been okay. s- constructed on a soundstage, which is always pretty impressive. If you're able to make a house feel like a house. When it is constructed right. on a soundstage, I uh, I'm I'm very appreciative of that. That's a, like that's a good job by you, Billy. It's a really hard thing to do instead of just like it, it, it's a series of rooms, <laughs> yeah, that are not connected or laid out in real space. No, they did a great job with that. Exactly. You can kind of. I mean, I had I would have suspected that that's what they did with the uh, uh, attic, just because that's so detached from the rest yeah, of the house. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. still, yeah. I mean, most of the other rooms seem like they're relatively well connected. So I don't know. I was just surprised to read that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I haven't done right, I want to talk about the effects of this movie in terms of the scares that happen, like the bump in the night, ghostly stuff that does happen. It's very, very simple in terms of like affecting everything that's going on, like making it happen on screen. Seems like all basic, pretty invisible wire stuff, like the shaking chandelier, the closing doors, all of that seems very, very doable. Yeah, lots but of closing they doors. Nail they nail all of it and you have when it's this simple like you have to be 100% on execution and they are so i like that they keep it simple and that they focus on nailing it yeah yeah agreed all right let's talk about what it does middle so i kind of put the pacing in here but it's not really just the pacing it this movie is a great example of how like dramatic horror movies have evolved over time right the pacing of this movie is such like this weird time capsule of it's incredibly slow, and the jump scares are meaningful but not particularly impactful. So it just kind of builds this weird, earnest creepiness over time. But ultimately, like, it peaks way too soon, and then you end up just in this, like, spider web of political intrigue. It's yeah, like, the- where, like, there's no more ghost stuff left to be interested in. Now it's just like he's chasing down a senator. Yeah, the first <laughs> half of the movie, super interesting and pretty compelling, and then... It falls right off, and then the only other ghost shit you get in the second half of the movie is this weird fire that is conjured from the nether realm, I guess. <laughs> uh, you also get a woman being chased by a wheelchair in one of the stupidest oh, scenes yeah. I've ever seen in my <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Pause, pause, yes. <laughs> yeah, that does not belong here. 
Um, yeah, Mark, and I think part of why you're talking about that is why I almost wanted to put just John's personality in Does Middle as a whole. You, as the viewer, are never scared watching this movie. 100%. Even though there are jump scares, like, John's level-headedness means that, yeah. like, you're never uncomfortable or, you know, scared or nervous because he's never uncomfortable or scared or nervous. Yeah. Exactly. The stand-in for the audience is just super level-headed and boring, and you're like, okay, well, cool. I'll, I can do this that. This is kind of boring. Yeah. I'll tune out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I exactly. completely agree with that. I One of the things that I had in Does Middle, this was like, I don't know, this isn't that important because I was considering whether it should be a nitpick, but I put it in middle because it was relatively important. When he's going through the tape that they had recorded from that seance and listening to the EVP or the <laughs> electronic voice phenomenon, that thing is like <laughs> super clear. And in, on one hand, it's kind of interesting and eerie to listen to, but... On the other, that's like so against the grain of what you hear normally that like it <laughs> yeah, just hit right? you the Usually wrong it's way. like a series of garbles where they're like, Did yeah. you hear that? He said he's coming on Tuesday. It's like, and in this their, one the ghost is whole... like I'm sitting in the chair over here. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> and then they put like this weird like it was that plus like a slight wispy windiness to it. And I was like, This is just hitting me the wrong way. Like I, oh. I don't understand what I'm supposed to feel. I mean, we'll we can just bridge right into what the movie does wrong because I had the ghost boy voice whisper thing is just so incredibly stupid. Okay, cool. Okay, <laughs> I, let's go. I, I cannot, I cannot get it. I At first I was like, okay, that's fine. And then they end up using that voice actor with the same set of effects on it over and over and over again. And after the first, like maybe the third time I'd heard him be like, father, no. It, it just it sounded wear, like, it, it sounded like a, a whispery Mickey mouse. And it's just like, I don't need <laughs> Disney in my ghost movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, seriously, go back and listen to it with the ear for like, Oh, is this just an early Mickey mouse cartoon? Is that what they're doing right now? And it's just an early Mickey mouse cartoon. You mean a f- fucking 50 year old Mickey mouse cartoon? Sure. I don't know. When was the last that'd time Mickey like, Mouse was in a that, thing? That'd be like the latest Mickey Mouse cartoon ever. This would yeah. be like the most recent <laughs> Mickey Mouse cartoon. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, this was made in 1980, so this is closer to that. Okay, so your your argument no. is that they're all old, but this is less old. Sure. Okay, My argument fair. is that the kid sounds like Mickey Mouse and it ruined the atmosphere. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay. He's, he's Mickey Mouse record. in a windy tunnel. Oh, daddy, no! Yeah. Oh, Mark, I'm definitely going to apply some post effects to your voice. <laughs> yeah, they make it more windy. Yeah. yeah, windy and echoey. Everyone knows it's windy. It... I was going to do a joke about how uh, the, their use of the Doors song, The Changeling, was jarring in this movie, but now I don't have to. Oh, God. So I'm a that changeling. Mark. When, I was, when I was like thinking, that's a <laughs> see me change. Oh, that's God. a pretty good song. Yeah, man. in terms uh, of the Doors, songs, Doors it it's kind of an underrated Doors song. I don't feel like that one comes to the top of the list. Check out no, how you and like it should, the Doors. and it's also one of the. Uh, I used to like the Doors a whole lot more than I do now, um, and it's oh. also one of the only that's Doors sad. songs where Jim Morrison doesn't wax poetic about seeing Native Americans killed on a highway a whole bunch of times for like eight straight minutes. So that, that helps benefit. it. That helps it. That helps it. <laughs> doors have some bangers, dude. It's fine. Yeah, the Doors absolutely have some bangers. I still love the Doors. I just uh, I liked them a whole lot more in early college years than I do now. I mean, even people er- change even people earlier sure. than that, dude. 
even earlier than that. I'm not going to out some things, but I know for a fact you used to like them a hell of a lot more. Uh, you mean when I recreated a music video for People Are Strange? <laughs> or oh, made God, a music video for People that. Are Strange in a, for a high no. school video project? <laughs> when you're a stranger. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that your Jim that was, Morrison, were, that, was back, that was back in the blue-haired days. That was that was like a, what, like a Bob Dylan-y Jim Morrison. I like it. <laughs> do you want me to do a Jim Morrison? Yeah, do it. Yeah, of course. It'll sound like Angus Young or whatever. <laughs> if you could make him Irish, that'd be ideal. Sorry, sorry, Bon Scott. Angus Young is not the right name. Hey, guys, what does this movie do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wheelchair scene? Oh, my God. For a movie yes. that isn't Holy scary shit. all the way through, it then ends with the biggest... Uh, ostensible scare sequence is a woman being chased across the top floor of this house by an empty wheelchair and it's yeah. so stupid this is the set piece of the movie and, and it's shot in first person from the perspective of the wheelchair as it's a wheelchair that's moving. chasing this woman through the house very slowly and she is running away from it very slowly screaming and if it hit her it might give her a very small bruise, maybe. Like, hey, man, Jack, shit hits your shins, it's painful. It's a contusion, Jack. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, she yeah. could have a protuberance. I have a question. If you were being chased <laughs> by a wheelchair, a seemingly possessed wheelchair, my first instinct would be to just sit in it and see what uh, happens. Me too. Okay. Yeah, weigh, <laughs> I weigh would not run away from Absolutely. that thing. Weigh it down. Yeah. See what see what goes on. It might be like a bucking what... bronco. You're, it's like a little bit of a risk, but you never know. Like, yeah, but think about know. it. Maybe that scene just... would be a hell of a lot better than running away from the wheelchair. I would love to see this lady sit in the wheelchair and then just like try and ride it out, like try and try and tame yeah. it. There are way too maybe many variables to... when you run. There's one variable. Maybe when it's you just sit trying to it, show her something. Yeah. It's trying yeah, to show her the bones the other of a dead boy down a well. For some reason, <laughs> like I just classy. had a vision of that fucking scene in Casper, the friendly ghost, where she's like <laughs> riding that chair like from part to part of the mansion. That shit was awesome. You remember that? You were so Jake, close to just you, saying that shit was lit. I didn't say it. I'm too I old. saw it, so though. much you about were, the movie were... Casper for a movie that came out well after we were too old to be like that deep on Casper. That You've wasn't like Casper. a super childhood. No, yeah, no, I've seen dude. Casper. No, we weren't well too old. When did that movie come out? Ninety thousand four. Well, Mark and I'm I just said two very up. different years. <laughs> it definitely was not two thousand four. You're that's yeah. wrong. It did not come out when we were in high school. You jackass. Casper I came out in nineteen ninety five. 95 oh, dude. We okay were like yeah we were six years seven old. years <laughs> old that's we were per- okay we were the perfect demographic go fuck yourself yeah, okay we were seven very, very like squarely children jack very was squarely jack was children. very mature for that age okay he was watching shit yeah. like requiem for a dream yeah he was i'll tell you what i was watching i was watching the real world san francisco at jack house oh god probably and playing and, and playing sega genesis yeah well he wasn't you know i don't, I don't want to say right. wrong side of the tracks but <laughs> what is going on? I have completely lost track of this thread. <laughs> it's okay, Mark. Don't worry about it. Hey, okay. something else this movie does wrong is it's fucking boring. Uh, yeah, 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 it is I say very it? boring. The, okay, I think yeah. I think we've pontificated on that quite a bit the, already. We, but I just got to like call a spade a spade here. Like At the point where we're like 20 minutes into the movie, you say what you will about it building some like dread jack or doing some like 
early signs of things might be amiss a, a here or whatnot from that you think, I don't know, like helped future movies. Uh, at 20 minutes, I was getting a little bit bored. And at 30 minutes, when there really still hadn't been much, that's a problem for me. That's too much. That's too much lead in. Cut some shit. Just cut it. <laughs> yeah. This movie's, it's too long. Well, yeah, it could have helped itself because like, when minutes. it does start building atmosphere, I think it does it effectively, but there's just so much fat here. You got to yeah. cut the wheat from the chaff, Jack. And these and guys you, are all chaff. And when you're talking about, I mean, this is, this is kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, this is such a huge difference between the, the 70s, 80s cinema and... 90s and today? Well, and today, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Radio station. I was doing a contemporary hits radio station. Yeah, yeah. No, but what I mean is like that when you when you compare kind of like if you were to chart whatever like excitement level over versus time, make that chart for a movie from the 1980s or this 1970s or whatever. This came out in 1980, so it's kind of like bridging the gap there. Versus a movie today, the ones today have such higher, sharper peaks, and this one is just like it's not. It's not like it's not entertaining. It's just that like. When you compare it to the pace of normal movies now, it is glacially slow. Mark, and there's are you just saying, like, <laughs> are you saying that its excitement curve is flattened? Yes, it. This one definitely was doing its part to flatten the curve. Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for humoring me with a coronavirus joke. You're welcome. We're at the point now where we can joke about it, so I'm happy about that. I don't know if we are. Well, you, I mean, you literally just made a joke. Yeah, about I, it, I'm so. not a. I'm not a proud person, Mark. Okay, but <laughs> you just made it, so sort of tautologically, it is now able to be joked about. Oh, fine, it's cool. Like I'm willing to thing. die on that hill, I'm, whatever. I'm feeling a lot of, what's the opposite of shame? Pride? No, not that. Less shame? Yeah, that. <laughs> I don't have a lot else the movie does, like, hard or wrong. We could do, like, a blended oh. pick station and does No, I got, I, got, I got a few more things. Uh, so, first off, the, and I kind of hinted at this earlier, Jack, in your beer selection, somehow you talked about how John's character arc, like, is he changes throughout the movie. I com- I have the opposite take. He is completely static. fucking static throughout this whole thing, which is why <laughs> a creates such a boring movie and like none of the scares are that effective. But also, why the hell do you start the movie by killing his family? Like, why not just make him a bachelor who is this sort of like sought after? Musical the, mind who moves to a new city to take up. You a get uh, yeah, it's totally it's totally ineffective. You you the reason though, Mark, is you get two scenes out of it. You get the scene where they get plowed over, which was hilarious looking, and then the scene with the ball down the stairs, which is actually kind of cool because that was the like scene with the ball is actually pretty damn good. I like that quite a bit. Uh, that is a very good and point. that ball's but recurring my point, too. Like when he first moves into the house and the ball bounces against the box, that works again. Like that that recurs throughout the movie. Yeah, but I guess my point here is like. Have his character change some, like, learn something. (laughs) (laughs) Or have him, like, adopt a character trait as a result of missing his family and not just, like, holding a ball and looking sad occasionally and then just also still just looking directly at the camera and being like, oh... You you want like the last twenty minutes of the movie to be him like turning to camera, play that Doogie Howser music. Well, it sure has been a fun day today, hasn't it? Here's what we learned. 
Yeah, exactly. I want him to just like pause every <laughs> once in a while and just be like, I miss my family so damn much. Yeah, you actually do have that one scene where he's like very forcefully crying, which should definitely just be edited out. This would be a better movie if you edited out every <laughs> single aspect of his family dying, but also just kept the ball in and left it weird and mysterious. You want his character to be different and to change, but you also want to edit out the scenes where he displays emotion. <laughs> well, and that brings me to my second point. The dramatic scenes in this movie are poorly acted, my God. <laughs> <laughs> there's that's there's the there's yeah, that's the fair. There's the very forceful crying thing that I just mentioned, but the oh, big Jesus. one the the one that is the most offensive uh, as far as this complaint goes, is the senator dude crying at the it, not crying, but like my father was a good man, a loving man. That whole oh, thing. Loses thing. His shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So that, I was just like, I'm out. I can't do this. I was already not in on that like political pelican brief style. Th- like all of a sudden, we're just in the middle of whatever some Washington intrigue bullshit. But then that just put why, me over the top. Why I was did like, they okay, make? I'm out on this. Why did that guy have to be a senator? Why do they kind of paint him as the villain for like a big chunk of the movie? It's not like he knew anything about it. It's, it's there me, are so yeah, many strange writing choices. Yeah, I kind of just boiled this. I I don't know. I grouped this up with everything else that I was like, just cut some stuff. I might be missing it though. I don't know. I'm <laughs> happy movie, to hear both no. of you are perplexed. This movie as a whole might be very well summarized in the fir- in the scene where the guy's family gets plowed over. Which is that, like, just to look at that, not it's not really all that necessary to have the second car, or the or the plow <laughs> at that point. Yeah. And what I'm getting it at here is that one. they do a lot of stuff here that they thought was necessary, but is just like wildly overcomplicated. And it, oh my god, the whole thing with the historical society owning the house and renting it to him, and then rescinding his lease—like, what the fuck's the point of any of that? It's wild. And firing the the one lady who's his one who's his one companion, the lady that he befriends. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. I, oh. Again, I just I, this movie's way too complicated. The- the whole scene where, like, the, the detective comes to intimidate him, like, oh, it sure would be a shame if something were to happen to this nice house and yourself oh. if you kept looking into this mystery. My like, God. What the fuck? We can, can we do this the easy way or the hard way. What's can the we hard go way? Nitpicks? Can we go the to hard way is I drive back to the police station. I go to the judge. <laughs> I get a warrant. I come back here and give you the warrant, and then you have to give me the medal. Blow and the he dies whistle, moments dude. later. Blow the, Blow whistle, the whistle, Mark. Oh, it's not an arm sling. <laughs> Sorry, I should have been. Okay, listener, it clearly was an arm sling because all he did was move his arm. I should yeah. have been more prepared, but <laughs> yeah. I was trying to do an office joke, and you guys were stepping all over it. So Yeah, I was stepping all uh, over you were, it. I mean, you, you weren't doing an been... office joke. You were just poorly reciting a scene from The Office. That's, that's an office joke. I was poorly reciting a joke from The Office that's doing an office yeah, joke. That's true. If I decide to not call that a joke, I'm losing a lot of my quote-unquote humor. So I got to be careful <laughs> exactly. on that Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop, dude. Nitpicks. Uh, do it. Okay. Redact it, Jack. In the, in the, the scene where he's uh, trying to open the lock, the padlocked door, uh-huh. and he's just hitting it over and over with a ball-peen hammer. Just pry it, like, a little bit with something hard. Just don't keep hitting it with a ball-peen hammer. That would there never work. definitely needs to be a fantasy uh, a fantasy point thing this year when we draft of complete and utter misunderstanding of how tools work. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We've watched so many movies where the person cannot operate a hammer, even though in one of them it was on purpose. The best, I mean, there are many times where you end up having someone do use the wrong tool for the job, but I think my personal favorite is when they grab the appropriate tool for the job and then just don't use it correctly. Oh, I mean, we talked about in Jaws last week, the guy, the sheriff's deputy hammering in a fence post <laughs> si- with the side <laughs> with of the, the sledgehammer. side of the sledgehammer. Yeah, exactly. It's great. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, I love the uh, his daughter's ball bouncing down the stairs scene. I think that looks really good. And, like, the arc they get on each of the bounces is really cool. <laughs> but then it just, like, comes the to a stop. It bounces, like, really high each time, higher than it would. But then, but then it, then it just comes to like... a stop so abruptly by his foot that it's, like, weird. It's very jarring. That's because the ghost was doing it, Jack. Oh, I see. It had a hand okay. on it, Spe- dude. Speaking of ghosts, I have a fucking nitpick with Insidious again after having watched this seance scene uh, with, that, with that in mind. Fucking, this one makes sense, right? The psychic woman is speaking to the ghost and her hand is being possessed and writing what the ghost says on paper, which is why the paper has to be so big and has to be like pulled away by someone else. And then in Insidious, they do all that, but they remove the necessity for the, any of the stupid parts. Like they're like, but yeah, they just need, they, is it, it's Lee Winnell who plays that character, right? Squint, yeah, whatever the fuck yeah, his name yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just him with a fucking crayon. Like, He's not possessed. He just can't write normally. Like it's he's slowing Help. himself down because he's a moron. Help! Help. <laughs> Daddy, it's no. so stupid. So this oh movie God, made me don't. angrier at Insidious. I, I do want to take a screen cap of the of the Joseph one where they write his name down. And I was trying to read what it was, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And the guy was just like, "Joseph." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on that on that point, I I did think it was hilarious when they were when he was playing back that whole séance thing, and he was listening to the little kid, and then every time he would play, it, you'd also get the translator guy who was like holding her hand or whatever, or like pulling the papers, and he'd be like Joseph, and he'd be like Joseph, and then he just played that over and over and over again. Joseph, 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 Joseph. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good. Uh, I have a neat pick with this Kay. movie. This the story is ostensibly based on a quote unquote true story. Uh, that is, um, that's so not this really happened. So far, uh, this is just a nitpick. No, no, okay, that is a nitpick. Uh, there was a mansion in Cheeseman Park in Denver. Yeah, uh, and that's where this this true story took place. They uh-huh. named the street that this mansion in the movie is on Cheeseman Park. Yeah, or Cheeseman Parkway or something like that because of that. But then they bulldozed, and and I had family that lived like right near Cheeseman Park, so that's already cool. But then they bulldozed that mansion and built high-rise apartments that a very close friend of ours from high school lived in for a brief time in Denver. I thought that very close friend still lives in that area. He might. He might still I, live I in I think. He, he I mean, I think he... I think he's closer to 7th and Franklin than he is to Cheeseman Park. If you're just tuning in, this is Deep detailed Denver, Denver knowledge Geography for all the uninitiated. <laughs> From the CU guys. <laughs> Either way, I think that's cool. I like the uh, – and the Cheeseman Park story, like, is pretty much identical. Like, there, a guy claims to have seen a ghost and found a kid's pendant and all that kind of stuff. Okay. No no senators or political intrigue, but I like that. I like uh, – I always like a story based on on real apocryphal tales. Uh, real sure. apocryphal real tales. Apocryphal Good tales. work, Jack. What? Sure. Good work. Good work. Shut up. It makes sense. I have a question about the phone booth at the start. <laughs> why? Yeah, it was How just about why? it was deployed by a helicopter. How about why? <laughs> 
Their car, yeah, it's it's a snowy fucking highway, but also this is somehow placed on top of the snow. Yeah, they're yeah. What the fuck? They're like pushing <laughs> it's the car. A floating they push phone it. booth. The the start the funniest part is like the start of the movie when they're all like giggling and shit and having a good time despite their circumstances. They're pushing that car like up the hill. They were pushing it directly past that phone booth so they could get to the top of the hill and then he could walk back to the phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, very dumb. Jake, very the dumb. safest place to stop a car is at the crest of a hill, okay? <laughs> so that neither side, neither approaching side can see the other traffic. And that's that's what they were Makes going sense. for. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. perfectly it's perfectly logical. You're right. And yeah. Mark, you've never been to upstate New York like that. Don't you know they build like they build ice fishing shacks on top of frozen lakes, they also build phone booths on top of the snow for the winter months. Yeah, they put like a little buoyancy device on the bottom so it just sort of floats. Exactly. It just Un- sits on top believable. of a truck tire. It's unbelievable, <laughs> it's dude. Very I can't stupid. fucking be- I can't believe it. Uh speaking of things I can't believe, when I, I even forget why they think to look in the floorboards of that house. We need to like saw into the floor. He uses a chainsaw to cut oh, open yeah. the oh, floorboards yeah. oh, yeah. of this <laughs> house. The literal worst tool. I mean, not the literal worst tool. That's not tool, the worst tool. <laughs> it's a shockingly stupid tool for that job. We're going to be cutting through multiple different boards and underboards and get, oh, we'd kick back. You'd probably die. Oh, fuck. <laughs> X marks the spot. Just dive Although, in. You know, he did. But also, they clearly had the right tool on the job because then they show the sawed open hole that was probably done with a sawzall or a circular saw, and it's a perfectly cut hole. You had the right tool. You just chose to use a chainsaw. Who even was the guy using that chainsaw? Just a random teen? <laughs> or was that was that some kid in his, in his musical group? They, Who was the guy? Yeah, musical group. Johnny the Trumpeteer also had a chainsaw. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, none of it. Who was that guy? Now it's bothering me. He's the town chainsaw guy. Oh, okay. I was the like, I need Lumber a chainsaw. Jack. Do you have a chainsaw guy? She's like, yeah. Let me call. Let me call Johnny the trumpeteer. He plays trumpet and he has a chainsaw. <laughs> Only one guy in town has a chainsaw in Seattle. There's one guy Only- in Seattle with a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> it's a very, Only one it's a very efficient man. setup. Okay. It was 1980. It was a much smaller city then. Yeah. They only needed one. God. I want to talk about his speech to the class at the beginning of the movie. Uh, so first okay. off, this is his. This is a very weird character trait of his, where this is like a few short weeks after his family is dead, and seemingly like recently interred, and he's just like starting this class, and he's just like, "I'm gonna come at you with some jokes." And my nitpick is that those jokes are not funny at all and they're and laughing the, a lot the disproportionately raucous laughter from the peanut gallery is very upsetting yeah they <laughs> right? were laughing they're the kind of lot. jokes that like you'd appreciate if somebody committed to them at, in the face of no laughter like i'd i'd find it endearing if he got up there and made those stupid jokes and just to dead silence it's a that'd college class there's no goddamn way they're laughing that that'd be what it would be they like those kids are <laughs> high as shit dude they're not laughing I mean, they laugh more <laughs> they're stoned out of their gr- that would be nice yeah it's the, you just show some hippies yeah. that are just fucking stoned out of their minds I guarantee dude, it's 1980 in Seattle I fucking guarantee it and uh, his whole Jake, his Jerry- whole thing there about all of these extra people coming to his class was that just supposed to like be that he's a very famous composer is that what yes. they were getting at okay. that's yes. what I took from that coming in Mark, from the big city of New York what you're forgetting, Mark, is that Jerry Seinfeld hadn't come along and invented comedy yet. So this was the funniest thing these people had ever heard. Oh, wow. That's incredible. 
That's really that's it's really a, interesting. It's a really yeah. a neat pick if you think about it. That is What's a neat pick. What's the deal yeah, with phone booths? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they on top of the snow? <laughs> Shouldn't they be built on the road? <laughs> I have I have another one to talk about going back to overcomplicating scenes in this movie. After okay. the initial seance, there's two halves of the seance. Uh, the first half is the one that we've been talking about that is basically the insidious seance. Um, or I should say where the insidious seance is basically this. But the second half is something I don't think I've ever seen before, uh, which is a giant tinfoil cone on the table, sort of rocking back and forth innocuously. And they keep asking it questions, expecting it to somehow answer. <laughs> and the scene resolves by a completely unrelated prop, a piece of a glass, like a chalice, flying off yeah. of the table and hitting a wall. But I want to know what the end goal of the three-foot-tall tinfoil cone was. They're just when, trying like, some you've things. already established a sufficient connection. You can write stuff down. You're talking to it. <laughs> you don't need the cone to like point north if you say yes. And then it's just like, I can speak through your mouth, idiot. <laughs> yeah, you know, you remember how you were moving your hand earlier, and I was just able to like tell you words. We should go back to that. That was much more efficient than me <laughs> rocking this cone back and forth. And another thing that reminds me of actually is the disproportionate amount of power that this ghost has. Every once in a while, like so, it can bang softly occasionally and implant like song memories into people's brains. But also, it can apparently like flip a fucking car over if it wants <laughs> and set a house on fire. Yeah, it can conjure. It's a, it's a, it's a pyrokinet or whatever. A psycho pyro. I don't know what the word would yep, be. What? You got it. Psycho pyro, pyrokinesis. <laughs> yeah, I mean pyrokinesis would be the movement of fire. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> he moves fire psychologically. I don't. I don't. Goddamn know. He creates it. Pyrosychosis. He's basically just an arsonist. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, pyrosychosis. You know. So the, it. yeah, this thing is he basically has a built-in like astral flamethrower and can flip cars over, and it just resolves itself to like banging on pipes every once in a while. Yeah, what I an asshole. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of other nitpicks. I mean, I have some more specific nitpicks with how light that fucking wheelchair looks and how little it would hurt if it and ran directly into you. I'm surprised, Jack. I'm surprised. I'm surprised none of us have mentioned that the banisters in this house are somehow made out of tissue paper and just fall off at like the, the <laughs> slightest gust of wind. That's classic haunted house, though, dude. That's like tissue it, paper and napalm. If they, <laughs> I think if the banisters didn't react this way or they weren't constructed this way or whatever, if they weren't like this, then I, something would be wrong with the haunted house. It needs to be this way. Oh, God. But also, that that brings me to another reason that wheelchair is so stupid. It's because it's juxtaposed against John falling down like two stories down the main stairwell and sustaining no injuries. And then she's worried about getting jammed up by an eight-pound wheelchair. (laughs) Getting all jammed up. it's made of balsa wood. It looks like it's made of balsa wood. I bet it smells lovely. (laughs) <laughs> probably doesn't. This but. actually takes me back to something that I probably should have brought up and does wrong, and I, I just blew right by it. I don't understand the motivation of the ghost. Like, I mean, I understand the motivation of the ghost and, like, the, the point of the story or whatever, but why is this second... Why does the end of the movie happen? What is the ghost's... Re- Joseph? What is Joseph's reaction fueled by to John confronting the senator with the truth? 
John comes back and he's like, okay, I put that to rest. And Joseph's like, no, fuck you. I'm burning this house down and summoning the astral yeah. projection of the guy who I could have just done this to all along and killing him via somehow ghost-themed heart attack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're saying this I mean, movie didn't need to happen? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying it's, it's overcomplicated. His motivation <laughs> is very clear, right? He's a pissed-off eight-year-old or whatever but then he could have just flipped the guy's car or whatever like drowned him in his bathtub <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah. He just drowned him in the bathtub Seems yeah i mean like why he chose this elaborate mechanism to enact his justice is very questionable he's just but being really melodramatic clear. i don't really like his personality to be honest with you yeah, yeah. jake forever's a long time to be a ghost to get bored <laughs> to be an eight-year-old <laughs> yeah. it's true man Jesus. very angsty times very angsty. i, w- I want to go out i want to go out with a neat pick which is that this movie? I turned on the dis- the, the subtitles after uh, after the seance scene because I couldn't fucking tell what during the flashback when you actually see what happened to Joseph. I could not tell what any of the dialogue was, and I guess you're probably supposed to not be able to tell. But anyways, I turned on the subtitles for the rest of the movie, um, and it has some pretty great like descriptive subtitles of just like all of the sounds that are happening, including thudding. Which isn't that great, but uh, they did do a line break between the open parentheses thudding and then line break closed parentheses. That was fun. (laughs) Solid. That's good kerning Uh, right there. Yeah, exactly. And then you have uh, ghostly moaning. That's a neat pick for you? (laughs) Yeah, this is a neat pick. Uh, Ghostly moaning was another good one. And then I think one of my favorite ones was police radio commotion that was just underneath the entire investigation scene. Uh, And then lastly, was they used this one a bunch, was plane whooshing. (laughs) <laughs> what plane whooshing like when a plane was taking off it was whooshing. i get it i like how that's a i would never consider a plane takeoff noise to be whoosh but <laughs> i also think you're both whooshing. saying whooshing like whoosh isn't a word whoosh is a word that exists and it's pronounced whoosh, whoosh and not whoosh whoosh <laughs> whoosh sounds like mush we're going to ratings right now that's no <laughs> whoosh <laughs> Plain wishes. We over at ADC Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think about Alex Ogston, who would rate Killing Don't Sam. Don't no salmon when you're drinking your wine. And for 10, think about Charlie, who would rate the frequency with which he Did eats you eat stickers. the stickers that are all over it? Yeah, it was gross. Of course it's gross. It's a sticker. I eat stickers all the time, oh dude. Oh, my God. This whole thing is a disaster. Story is the first category to rate these movies. I picked this movie, so I'm going to rate it for story, and I'm going to give it a five for story. How um, dare you? It's a, it's a <laughs> fine story. It's needlessly complicated. Like, I like the general story beats, but then I don't like how much they overcomplicated and add just a whole bunch of shit into it so it's like some good stuff some bad stuff it's right down the middle it's a five jake i gave it a six i don't disagree with what you're saying it's just it's as mark has said like probably 16 times at this point oh it's overcomplicated they could have simplified things and done a lot better yep mark i guess i'm the highest one on it which is sort of interesting i gave it a six and a half i think it is overcomplicated it's it's strange how this conversation developed over time this movie's really easy to bash um but i do think at its heart like it's it like i kind of started off with at the beginning of this conversation it does have this sort of sort of earnest creepiness to it and if you strip off the parts pertaining to the family dying at the beginning and a few other things like i 
I am kind of a sucker for these sort of like mystery style horror movies. So you got a mystery style horror movie against a creepy backdrop with a relatively unique and interesting thing that I didn't appreciate the political thriller side of it, but eh, whatever. It, I thought the story was actually sort of the strength of the movie. They went for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they did something. Uh, it's going to take us into world building and immersion, our second category. I'm going to give it a seven for world building and immersion. It is doing great things on both sides of that equation. On the world building side, they have this really, really cool mansion. Um, and especially the fact that it isn't actually a house. Like they built that on sound stages is really fucking cool. Uh, I also kind of like the Seattle thing, right? They use that to some effect, though not much. And then also, this movie's immersive just because it's uh, it's just eminently watchable. I'm always uh, liking what's happening on screen, even if the overall effect ends up being kind of boring. Like I find the the protagonist charming, and and I'll just I'll watch the heck out of it. It's a seven, Jake. I went five and a half. I Andy Dalton it because I think that the world building is for the most part, really good, but I was bored by this movie. Like, I was not as immersed in it as I wanted to be, despite the fact that I think the world building, particularly with with the mansion or house, was solid. Oh, yeah. Mark? Uh, Almost same score for almost same reasons. I gave it a six. We're kind of just circling the wagons at this point. It is... It is a relatively uh, yeah boredom is the is the biggest sin here, but I I will under underline the point that this is actually I still enjoyed most of watching this movie, particularly the first half. It kind of goes off the rails in the second half, but like whatever. I it was <laughs> it was an enjoyable viewing experience, so it should be slightly better than average at the very minimum. Yeah, it's it's watchable as hell. Uh, that's gonna take us into scare factor. I'm actually giving it a three for scare factor. Interesting. It, like. I don't even know if it that seems very low, but at the same time, yes. like all the things that could be scary aren't because the protagonist isn't scared by them. And he's so cold. We talked about it. he's so calm and level headed that I'm not worried about it because he seems fine. I'll be fine. And then the scariest the, the scene that they attempt to make the scariest scene in the movie is laughably stupid. So I'm giving it a three. Jake. Same reason. Same score. Fair. Could not have said it better. I don't I don't wow, find this movie to be nice. scary. Yeah. Mark. I went substantially higher, but still on the on the other side of, of average, uh, four and a half. I have said this a couple times. I did find this movie to be sort of like institutionally creepy. It doesn't have the staying factor or the jump scare effects that we shit on all the time, but I do think help us punch up the scare factor score. Uh, but there are just the, the early bits of this, like maybe the first and second third of this movie where he's just sort of like in the house dealing with these hauntings. I I was I was appreciative of seeing those tropes begin to like flesh themselves out in a very very early fashion. The other thing that I'll point out here is I am a bit of a sucker for finding hidden rooms in your house and they do it twice in this movie with the attic and to a slightly different extent finding the well buried under your house. If I opened up my floorboards and there was a fucking well down there and we found a goddamn dead kid, I'd move out of my house forever. Fuck, I'd burn it to the ground. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Uh, oh, Goddamn. That's going to take us into effects or judicious lack thereof. I'm giving it a seven in this category. I think it's very simple, but like I said, they nail it. They, so they don't try to do too much. It is a judicious lack thereof movie. The the Like I mentioned, the effects are all very simple, but they execute them 
to perfection with the exception of the ball stopping a little bit too early by his feet one time. I'll also say that I like the sound effects for the most part. I like the integration of the knocking sound. I like the shadowy stuff. And I like the diegetic music they have going on. Jake! I gave it an eight. Pretty much same reasons. I this is a this is a sets movie and this is an audio movie and it really shines on in in both of those ways. So you know, yeah, high score. There you go. Uh, Mark. Same reasons, different score. I gave it a six. This is an audio movie and for the most part it's good, but also one of the biggest audio effects of the movie is Mickey Mouse telling you what the kid's name is. So that's fair. Yeah, that's kind of like the scare <laughs> factor. Though. I'm not going to double jeopardize it. It is, it is, I would say this is, aside from just sort of like the background stuff, like the sets and whatever, uh, this is mostly a judicious like thereof movie, which also sort of hampers it in general because I'm not willing to go that high for things that you just sort of like did yeah, normally. Sets were, sets were pretty, I mean, we typically don't talk sets. I, I guess the fact that I'm trying to lean so heavy on the sets is giving credence to your argument, but they yeah. were pretty damn good. So, okay. Yeah, they're, they're great. Jack, did either you have way, any takes on the way. fire? You're usually the fire guy. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a practical fire, so it the fire was looked fire. pretty good, <laughs> even though it uh, flew up like fucking nuts. Did I don't know how like a ghost fire, would... Jack? It looked like yeah, fire. Yeah, it's real fire. Great, I, great. We had I can't from... comment on how realistic a ghost starting a fire with its mind would be, so... I <laughs> You can't? Let's go to the A to Z horror science corner. I actually would say <laughs> on the fire scene that I thought it was a bit jarring that they clearly started the fire with, like, I don't know if it was solid fuel or some level of, like thing that they painted across like the the fire was just it's, a, in the it's line, some kind of gel least. fuel for sure yeah, yeah exactly they just like, like lit it and then it just goes around and it's like nothing's actually catching on fire there's just something on top of the thing that's burning burning yeah yeah absolutely along the banister in particular <laughs> um, either way it's going to take us into overall i'm giving it a six for overall this is definitely a tilt up i think but this movie is deserves credit for originating so many of the tropes that would come to copy it later it's also just an eminently watchable movie like we said even if it's boring at points like i'm never unhappy when i'm actually watching what's happening on screen jake you gave it a six i did <clears throat> i gave it a five and a half i ended alton the heck out of it on this one too i this movie's kind of this movie was kind of disappointing to me i don't know i i felt like based on how it as mark said the first two thirds were stronger it just it didn't lead me anywhere, and I was overly bored with what I expected this to be. <clears throat> this is kind of like a low key. This enters people's discussions of like quintessential haunted house movies, and I just don't really see it with this one. I definitely appreciate what it brings to the table, but it's not one that I'm going to be itching to go back to. I think yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there, right? It's more of a appreciate what it's brought to the genre than it is a enjoyed watching it for what it was. Mm. Um, Mark, what about you? I ended up going six. I mean, we're all kind of circling the wagons here. I think this is a six makes sense. This is an average level movie that is watchable. And I mean, it's good. It is objectively objectively a good movie. I'm happy I watched it. I'm just not particularly excited about going back anytime soon. It is yeah, also, I, I am the I am the only one here who this is the first viewing of, so I don't know if you guys have just sort of, well, Jack, you said you hadn't seen it since your early childhood, but Jake, you kind of hinted that you've seen this bits and pieces Well, but never, never as a never as a movie, though. Like, I've seen it on. Like, I, I knew what happened in the movie. I knew the beats, and I've seen it on because George C. Scott and my mom. But, like, it's this is basically a first viewing for me, too, I suppose. Okay, well then I'll take that point back. I, what I was going to say is going in relatively blind, this was still an 
uh, this still was a positive experience for me. So it's got to be on the right side of average. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Let's get these into thumbs up, thumbs down. This is actually a thumbs down for me. Like this one is one that is to be respected and should be viewed by like deep horror people just for like knowledge of the genre as a whole, but isn't one that I'd like tell someone to sit down and go watch because like all of the things that contributed to the genre have been done later kind of better. Um, except that seance scene, which was done precisely later and just stupider. And much, much by, worse. Uh, insidious, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm giving it a thumbs down, Jake. I'll agree. I'll go with you on that. I'll give it a thumbs down, too, because you can guide folks to a lot of other examples of what this is in the genre, and I think it will impact them to a greater degree, or they'll enjoy it more or whatnot. Like, this is one that you would advise someone who has seen quite a few things to go back and check out if they have not already but ultimately that is not like the over 50 percent mark that we're looking for here so thumbs down from me yeah how about you mark uh totally agree thumbs down i mean it's we all gave it average or above average so take i guess all of this with a grain of salt but like you're saying i'm not going to rush out to recommend this to people if they've gone through the the catalog then sure check if they've seen it if they haven't then give them a recommend but i mean like just on balance I'm recommending Poltergeist a 999 times out of a thousand to people. Yeah, uh, if these two absolutely movies are in the same conversation <laughs> and Paranormal Activity and frankly Insidious too, even though the seance scene is much stupider. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of trying to keep it in the same like sort of time frame so that they get the same zhuzh. But yeah, I mean, you get what I'm saying. Like this is kind of just dead in the center of haunted house movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think it's time to get the fuck out of here, huh, boys? Yes, sir. Nice little cutie tonight. Yeah, let's do it. This has been episode 185 of the A to Z Whorecast. Just check out everything we have going on. Head on over to A to Z Whore.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of those are going to be right down there in the links in the description below. As Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, right now, if you're still hanging out and listening to us, it might be a really good time to consider becoming a Patreon member because for at least the next three months, if you are a Patreon member... Those proceeds are going to go to Feeding America. Now, you get all the same great content that you would as a Patreon member, but you get to know that it's going to a really good cause in a deserved area right now because, quite honestly, this is a horror podcast, guys. Like, this is for fun. So we just want to make you feel good about where your money is going, and if you're here hanging out with us, it might be a good reason to kind of, like, figure out where to put that. So... As always, the music has been coming at you from Super Bear. There are links down there in the description below as well. And next week, we are going to be bringing it to more of a modern-style movie with one of Mark's picks. It's a quiet Woo! place. Oh. That's happening one Boys. week from today, probably. And until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some horror movies. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, ho, ho,